Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I actually have nothing. I don't even know how you do it every week. Shut up, Evan. You shut up. <laughs> Garbage friend. <laughs> I just got done telling these guys that it, like the uh, three and a half hour drive back we had from camping turned into like a five and a half hour drive. I'm wiped. We went through like a devastating like thunder and lightning storm this morning and just like completely gassed. I'm like, all right, Evan, do you mind opening? And he just goes flat out, just goes, nah. <laughs> Doesn't even look at the camera, just goes, nah. I, I know my strengths and opening is certainly not one of them. I beg to differ. Your opens have been good in the past. That's when I'm inspired. But, you know, Sunday night at 9.20 p.m. There's not a whole lot of creativity and inspiration. You really do come and go with the Red Wing season, eh? Like, anytime there's hope or excitement, you are, like, on it. You're, like, pacing ahead of uh, Brad and I. Like, you're coming with your <laughs> the one time you came with your laptop. I'll never forget. Yeah, it was the was that the mock draft we did? Last yeah, year? that was our big mock draft. Our final mock draft going into the last draft, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I how could I draft Anton Lundell and Seth Jarvis twice? <laughs> 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 Who knew preparation was the key? Uh, well, uh, jury's out on that one. Brad, what are you doing with your mustache, man? I don't know. I was trying do to do that again. No, no, do that again. I was screwing it with it again, and I'm realized it actually kind of does flare out a bit. <laughs> Brad, you can do handlebars. Do the other side and leave it for the video. You have to do. Oh, it. I don't. I play with it too much to be able to leave it for the whole video. <laughs> this is so bad. I look like Wario. <laughs> okay, if you guys don't watch on YouTube, this is how we're gonna oh. goad you into subscribing. <laughs> Go to youtubecom slash podcast. Oh, awful. Hit subscribe and then look at Brad's stupid mustache like a few minutes. <laughs> into this episode <laughs> if that's not worth your subscription oh nothing. my god oh my god i oh. can't believe it's actually long enough to be able to do this even a little bit i swear i have i can have absolutely zero energy i can be in a coma coming into this episode and i'll find you guys will find a way to give it life <laughs> <laughs> this is well this is the best thing that's ever happened to me Welcome to the Wind Wheel Podcast. Uh, back in civilization, I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad, literally Wario Crisco. And I got nothing. I'm Evan. Oh, no, I'm the man. It's just your name, man. Yep. That's it today. <laughs> uh, on this episode of the podcast, and I promise you, I definitely did not scramble to catch up in hockey over the past, uh, you know, 35 minutes. Uh, we're going to be talking about the actual NHL playoffs. I am so happy I don't have to say play-ins or qualifying round or any of that crap anymore. Um, a mild amount of Red Wings news this week before we jump into uh, our prospect profile, which is one of the big ones. It's is a meaty one, so I'm sure I don't know what we've named this episode yet, but I'm sure it'll be something related. But just in case it's not, it's uh, it'll be worth listening to. Well, I mean, I hope so. You've come this far. So uh, already. Yeah, very quickly. I didn't know if I'd be back for this episode. So we went on a, uh, a Friday night, Saturday night, so two night, three day trip up in Algonquin Park and like great place to be. Um, loved it. It was our first time taking the new canoe out with the dog. A lot of fun. Uh, after the first night, a couple of our friends actually had to leave early. They were trying hammock camping and it, it just got way colder than we had assumed. So long story short, they just 
ducked out and started paddling back. So it was Mel and I for the second night, just us on the site, which was fine. Like it was just another like have dinner, wrap up, wake up in the morning and head out. And then we uh, messaged our friends. We had like barely a bar of signal. We messaged our friends and said, hey, like, let us know what the weather forecast is. Because if it's going to rain like Sunday afternoon, like I said, it was will like blast out right in the morning. Because between the paddles and the portages, it'd be about two hours back to where we parked the car. And uh, we got like one message back amongst like many that were sent. And the only message back instead of any of the useful information that Mel's freaking phone picked up was, well, hope the weatherman's wrong. Ha ha. And I was like, uh. <laughs> so I'm like, we packed up everything, like uh, hung the bear bags, did all that. I'm laying in the tent, like wide awake the whole night. I see heat lightning until like 4 a.m. And then like at 6 just the most devastating downpour and then like cracks of thunder and lightning. And you hear thunder and lightning and like in the like cities and it's like, yeah, it's loud. But when it's like over a national park or provincial park, like you hear it hit and you hear it crack and break open trees and they're falling down and like you feel the earth shake and like you're counting out the seconds. You're like, that was like 10 miles away. Like that wasn't even close. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, what am I worried about? What are the chances of getting struck by lightning? Like one in a million. And then I'm like, uh, I mean, it's a lot higher if I'm in like a national park with a lot of, you know, lightning rods that are really tar- tall trees. Long story short, uh, unfortunately for some of you, I did survive. Uh, we did make it back. And uh, the worst part of my day, believe it or not, despite the the, the weather was uh, the traffic. So, yes, no one enjoys that Toronto 400 traffic. Oh my God, man. The moment you hit Toronto, it's just like, just jackass after jackass. Like I had a guy weaving in traffic in a RAV4. Love the vehicle. Excellent vehicle. You do not weave in a RAV4. I'm sorry. I'd drive like that too if I was a Leaf fan. uh, Honestly. (laughs) You've got nothing left to live for. (laughs) I said that out loud. I was like, those are just Leafs fans. Like they're either trying to, you know, make the most out of whatever life they have left in them or they're just trying to die. One of the two absolutely there was one of them like riding my ass and i was like i have a canoe on the top of the car like who's gonna win this one it's me just snip off the the please don't they're very expensive <laughs> yeah 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 uh canoes but i assume they are that's my diatribe um i'll try not to bore you with any more of that uh evan you do not get any golf time this episode. I'm sorry. I stole all of the recreational sport talk. That's okay. Okay. Uh, the playoffs. Before we start to review the um, the series, why don't we talk a little bit about like our predictions and brackets? And it's worth calling out. I mean, we, we boasted about our highs. We did not do so hot specifically in the qualifying round predictions. I think I was the worst. I think I got three out of eight and you guys got four. I had three. That means I got two. Shit. (laughs) I went three for eight and felt grateful to do that well. That is. And it was a wild one for sure. There was like three series that were just like pretty decent upsets. But still two for eight. Two for eight might be my worst bracket performance in a long time. Here's the sad thing. Um, Two of the three I got right were upsets. I had Columbus in Arizona. Oops. Wow. Yeah. 
let me pull up our our actual list here. Um, it's not it's not pretty. So Evan, uh, you got Columbus right, you got Vancouver right, and you got the Islanders right. You incorrectly predicted the Jets, the Predators, the Penguins, the Oilers, and the Rangers to move on. Uh, Brad, you also got Columbus and Vancouver, but your third one was Arizona. Uh, I got Vancouver and the Islanders, right? And I got everyone else wrong. Nice. Miserable. Nice. Yeah. And, I, and I know I've got one wrong this round already. So we're, I'm doing oh, terrific. Well. That's what you, that's what we get for uh, trying to make predictions on a baddie play in. So uh, I've, I made my bracket and I, I submitted it for people to look at on Twitter. I'm not sure if you guys put out your brackets, but we'll talk a little bit about who we have for the playoffs. We will make some kind of like a game tournament system for the patrons uh, in later rounds of the playoffs. Um, things just went a little fast for the first round here. So uh, my bracket is, I don't know. I don't think it's too out of this world. Um, in the West, I have Vegas over uh, Chicago. Mind you, I, I, like, I tweeted this so you guys can see that I'm not lying. Evan and Brad could perfectly well be lying. So hold them to the colds if you'd like. Oh, no, I no. Vegas I'm, over- I'm about to break to you that I have Washington. So <laughs> I have Vegas over Chicago in five games. I have Colorado over... Um, Arizona in six games. I have Dallas over Calgary in seven. I have St. Louis over Vancouver in seven. Uh, in the East, I have Philly over Montreal in six. Um, Tampa Bay over Columbus in five. I have the Islanders over Washington in six. And then I have Carolina over Boston. Uh, I had a sweep because I'm a jerk. Um, and then into the conference finals, I had Vegas and Colorado versus, uh, and then Philly and Tampa Bay with a final of Colorado Philadelphia with the eventual champion, uh, Gritty, the Philadelphia Flyers. Neat. Yeah. Who's going next? I'll go. Uh, starting in the West, I had Colorado and Vegas both winning their series in a gentleman's sweep. So to say, I had them both in five. Uh, I had Vancouver over St. Louis in seven, and I had Dallas over Calgary also in seven. That was four, right? Yep. Uh, In the East, I had Washington over the Islanders in seven. Still possible. (laughs) Just want that on the record. It is still possible, uh, as unlikely as it will be. I had Boston over Carolina in seven because my life cannot contain any happiness. I had Tampa over Columbus in seven because, I mean, they have to eventually, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And I had ah. Phil- Philly over Montreal in five. And then who did you have in your conference finals? Uh, I had Colorado taking out Vegas and I had Tampa taking out Boston. That's like going, oh, okay. And then your cup winner? Colorado. You couldn't go Tampa, huh? You don't think that this is their year? No, no. I pick Tampa every year and they let me down every year. So (laughs) I'm going to put them in the finals because they're still gross. Um, But McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Evan, I'm assuming you're doing yours on the fly here. Remember that it reseeds, so it's not a perfect bracket. Can we talk about how beautiful it is that it reseeds now again? It's not a bracket. No. Like, it's a bracket, but it's not really a bracket. I missed reseeding so much. I wish that of all the things that they can carry over from the COVID playoffs into the real playoffs whenever those happen again, that reseeding is what I want to, to, to stick Oh, well, I legit am looking at a bracket, so... Well, well, do your well, you'll best. have to correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um. So, I originally said the Knights were going to win the Stanley Cup, so obviously they have to beat Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I had that in five. I think that... Is the series 3-1? Uh, yes, yeah, 3-1. Yeah, so I'm pretty close. Um, Avalanche over Coyotes in six. I can't remember how that one's going. It feels like there's too much hockey. I I watch <laughs> hockey all day, every day, and then I don't remember what happened. Colorado's winning 2-1 in that series right now. Um, I said Winnipeg was going to beat the Flames, so um, I'll, I think I had stars in six or seven. I'll say six. I don't remember what I put. I'm just looking yeah. at a blank bracket, but I, I, yeah. I did one before. Um, I had blues in six. Whoops. Um, heading to the other side, I had flyers over Canadians in five. What's that one? Two, two, one, two, one, uh, Philly, I believe, right? One, okay, well, one, one, depending on how tonight's game goes, because Montreal absolutely okay. donkey kicked Philly last game somehow. Yes, that's right. I did watch uh, a little bit of that. Philly is up one, nothing halfway through the game. Okay. Okay. That's a good start. Um, lightning over blue jackets in six. Uh, Capitals over Islanders in seven. Yikes. Holding could on. happen. <laughs> could happen. Could ta- and Bruins over Hurricanes in seven. Um, and then your who do you have in your conference finals? Conference Vegas, finals obviously. would be Vegas and the Avalanche. And right. does that work? Can that yep. work? Yep. Yep. Because they're both one two, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Knights over the Avalanche in six. I don't even like that, but I have to go with it since I said Vegas wins. Uh, on the other side, I like the Flyers. And that was about it. Flyers and Lightning. But Only I think, uh, yeah, I think the Flyers are going to win that uh, in six as well. Um, so you have a Vegas Philly final. With Vegas taking it. Vegas takes it in seven. So the social media icon in Gritty versus the uh, most uh, hot and cold social media team with Vegas. Yep. Yeah. And I don't like any of those picks, so. All right. Well, those are our, uh, those are on the record now. So when we inevitably go like one for eight again, you know, make sure you make fun of us for it. But well, these series, I was going to say out of the two series where a team has three wins, I'm 50-50 right now, so there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing about Montreal. So if Montreal takes Philly, who's one of the strongest teams in the playoffs right now, to seven, and let's say they lose, is that worth it for the fans? For Montreal or for Philly? For Montreal fans. No. For them. They they miss out on uh, Lafreniere. No. What if they win the round? What if they lose in the second round? No. They have to win the you, cup. You don't think they're a little bit happy? Oh, they're gonna have they're gonna have fun, but again, I 
I know I'm oversimplifying this and it's hard to quantify the happiness, like the deeper team goes into the playoffs, but the, the cold reality of it is you want Alexi Lafreniere to win the Stanley Cup. So if you do not win the Stanley Cup, you wasted a chance at Alexi Lafreniere. And I know that's not going to be a popular opinion. And I know that's not the romantic opinion about hockey, but that's hard facts. You win the cup or the season was a waste. And if you're a bad team who had the option to get a franchise changing player and you didn't get that chance, it's doubly wasted. My thing is, like, let's say they go on this insane ride. They knock off Philly. They knock off another surprise upset in uh, the second round. If this is a conference final team, like, I don't know. I think that's that's a hell of a run. Like, that that's a hell of a run, and it'll be super fun for, what, six weeks max? And how many teams, how many teams in NHL history have been fooled into thinking they're an elite team because they went on a stupid run and then the wheels just fell right off shortly after. I know the 2017 Senators come to mind, but they're, they but they made the mistake of trading away all their best players. I think Yeah, that 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 didn't help at all. Their no. their owners nuts. But it's I mean, who is it? I think I think this happened to Montreal already, too. Back when they went on that run to the conference finals against the Rangers. And then they yeah. they were picking yeah. third overall a couple years later. It, I mean, it's, it's an aberration. Any team can get hot for a few weeks. Let's not forget, it was just last season, the Detroit Red Wings rattled off a 10-game point streak in March. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, hockey's fluky. Whether... Well, I, I wish I, again, this is just my idiocy of not saving articles, but it was a big enough article that I'm sure if we Google it, we could find it where um, a statistician quantified luck in all the major professional sports and hockey was one of the most random. Like it's it was just, the most random. Yeah. To, to get the same equivalency outcome as the NBA, as a best of seven series in the NBA in terms of consistency of results, the NHL would have to play like a, they said it was like a best of 55 or something like that. It was, and it was insane how random a lot of hockey was. So if we're talking like that much of a difference between a a certainty talent league, like the NBA, but any team can go on a run for a month. Any team. It doesn't mean they're good. It's It could be a hot goaltender, a hot power play. One line just gets crazy hot. There's been teams that have lucked their way into wins because they just kept running into teams that were ridiculously injured. I mean, it happens. Teams get lucky. Things happen. So, My hot and, take is that I prefer that. I, like I prefer maybe not. NBA? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100% because the NBA again for when everybody's healthy is boring because you know who the champions are going to be before the season started like that was what that three-year stretch we knew it would be cleveland golden state every year and it was until half of golden state got injured and (laughs) lebron left cleveland so toronto still had to pull off a miracle to win that series yeah and that was with clay out for the final game and durant out for the entire series like yeah it's insane so I, I'm I know much, those snakes, they can never stay on the court, right? Right. Uh, I didn't I didn't know snakes had Achilles tendons. Watch Weird. out. Watch your Twitter. You might get uh, <laughs> might get DM'd by Kevin Durant for that slander. He's Instead of going and liking all of Mel's pictures, he's going to go and like all of your pictures or something. Yeah. 
But but yeah, God, so anyway, that guy's cir- so easy to make fun of. Sorry, oh, yeah. go ahead. But yeah, circling back to your original point, like as fun as it, even if Montreal went on a run to Game Seven of the Cup Final and lost, and lost, it's still it's still a waste. You didn't win the cup. You didn't get Lafreniere. What ultimately did you get out of this season other than two months of fun? Now, don't get me wrong. In the hashtag these trying times, two months of fun can go a long way for a lot of fans' mental health. And that is worth something. That is the point of being a fan. So I am not disregarding that at all. But if we look back at this in five years and Montreal is still just like a middling team, you know it would have maybe bumped them out of finishing between 7th and 10th every year, Lafreniere. Yeah, and it's one of those decisions where both sides have have an argument because what Brad said is not wrong, but if you're a fan of a team who is just pumped to see them play playoff hockey, going on on an insane run, come within 60 minutes of a win of a cup in a year where you really shouldn't even have made the playoffs, and then someone tells you, well, it would have been better if they had a 1-8 shot at this guy, they'll say, kick rocks. Like, that isn't a 12.5% chance of winning in my mind. That's an 87.5% chance of not getting the ideal outcome. And then you don't have the Game 7 in the Cup Finals, and you don't have Lafreniere. So, no, kick rocks. There's merit to both of them. In terms of, like, tangibly on paper, what would matter more? Unless it's a Cup win, it's winning the first overall pick. Of course. But there's... Yeah, there's a lot to be said, and it means a lot to a team too. Like this is now a fan base that will buy into Mark Berge- what Mark Bergevin uh, is building in Montreal. Um, Again, though, that could do be I think they're going to go there? Oh, of course it can be. Of course it can be. It, that's the kind of stuff that fuels teams uh, to kind of run too long in terms of uh, their their competition. New York, and I say this. Half in just now because they won Capo Caco and now they're going to win uh, Alexi Lafreniere. So it it their rebuild is was what like three blinks of an eye, um, but they probably hung on for too long after their cup run just to kind of try to get that one for Henrik Lundqvist. But there they were kind of regarded as having hung on for a season or two too long in terms of trying to make a roster work that was never really going to truly compete as is. That said, they're going to be back there really soon. And so woe unto any of the naysayers and the pencil pushers and the geeks, uh, myself included, who say, oh, no, they should have started this year or that year. Just like on the ice, when you're building team so much building teams, there's so much luck involved. I don't know. I also don't think Montreal is going to make a cup run. But at the same time, if they donkey kicked Philly in game two, who should be one of the cup favorites, this team's not a joke and they're not to be taken like lightly. And they have that one tool that I say any cup winner usually needs, a hot goaltender. And it helps when your goaltender is one of the most talented on the planet. Well, Montreal too, it was... It's amazing how much they live and die with Carey Price because going into this season, I think we all agreed Montreal was probably not a playoff team but i think we all said they would be battling for a playoff spot and the reality is they weren't carrie price had a bad year like not even by his standards by average nhl goaltending standards he had a bad year and they were not even sniffing a playoff spot carrie price is hot now and they're tied in an actual playoff round with a team that's a favorite for the cup so a it's 
shows you how much goaltending matters in hockey, whether people want to admit it or not. And B, I mean, that's that's Montreal in a nutshell. Take out Carey Price. They're, they're a bad team. They are a, so Brad, they are a bad hockey team. Yaroslav Askarov in the top five? No. <laughs> Brad. Because I'm still a firm believer that you can find elite goalies uh, in variety of other ways. It doesn't have to be $10 million in a fifth overall pick. I mean, who's been... Carey Price, I would argue, hasn't even been the best goalie in these playoffs. And Columbus oh. is playing Corpus Allo, what, $2 million? And they got him, what, in the 17th round? Let's uh, let's talk about elite goalies for a second because um, into the playoffs, not even in the qualifying round or beforehand, Tuka Rask has opted out uh, from playing for the Boston Bruins. Now, first of all, we're not here to – well, let's get this out of the way. No one's criticizing this. He's got a newborn. He's got three kids at home. This was a personal family decision. It didn't come as a shock to the team. He'd been talking about it for some time. It was kind of seen as a, um, a bonus that he even – held on as long as he did. So that out of the way, Boston is now losing their most talented goaltender. That said, they have this guy who's kind of like a Robin Laner type who goes from team to team and seems to just play like a starter when he wants to in Yaroslav Halak. So how does that affect the Bruins with a very tough Carolina Hurricanes opponent? Before I talk about how they're going to do Carolina, I need to get one thing out of the way. One, Two things that they serve. One, obviously, I fully support Tuka Rask. Forget the pandemic. I mean, I, I, if I had a newborn, no, there was, I would have never been there. Zero chance. It wouldn't have even registered in my head. Like, A, I don't think people realize how much work a newborn is, let alone if you have two other kids. His poor wife, even for the like three weeks he was gone. And B, your newborn's only a newborn once. You don't get that time back. He'll have many more NHL seasons. He may never have another child. So this might be his last time he's ever going to get to like have a, a tiny baby at home that he gets to care for, raise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And two, after reading Twitter and all the social media about it, this is why everyone hates Boston fans in every sport. You people don't deserve Tuka Rask. Now I'm aware that not every Boston fan was all over Tuka for this. I'm aware, okay? Most Bruins fans were fully supportive because they're not monsters. On the other hand, this was a far higher percentage of lunatics piping off versus any other fan base because I know every fan base has a vocal minority of idiots. This seemed like a pretty damn high percentage compared to other teams. Maybe it's just me. Maybe Boston has overall more fans than I give them credit for, but I don't think so. We live in leaf country. So I've seen chaos in mass numbers and still understand the percentages there. I hate Boston sports so much, and it is only because of their fans. They are the worst. Oh, and their announcers. Oh, their announcers. A lot of Boston content this episode. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. and, and almost none of it good. <laughs> uh, Brad, speaking of sports um, that you care about, we were paddling, and we wa we went past a campsite that had a Buffalo Bills towel strung up, like drying off, and I went, oh, those poor souls. And then Abby started crying. I said, I know. They'll never win, though, Abby. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, this is... Uh, if, if anybody wants a snapshot into what it's like to be a Bills fan, the uh, Patriots finally lose Brady. Uh, we're 
by most outlets that I've been reading, widely considered to be the favorites to win the AFC East and a legit Super Bowl contender out of the AFC. And the season might get canceled because of pandemic. We're not allowed to be happy. Well, it's uh, the uh, the good Lord's punishment for uh, having you talk about the Buffalo Bills. Sorry. I, th- I think what happening here is it's all the souls of all those poor folding tables that are just raining <laughs> bad karma on us. You guys let us know if this is different, but this is how I feel about um, this is what I think the fans perceive as like our the rankings for like ancillary sports conversations like Evans talking about golf, me talking about like Formula One or like something else, a bunch of empty spaces, you talking about the Jays, a few more empty spaces, and then you talking about the Bills. Yeah, something like that. At least. At least the Jays are relevant to Tigers fans because they're an actual rival. They are? Yeah, maybe it's just a Windsor thing. It might just be because I'm from Windsor. I mean, if, if if you're making that connection, there's absolutely a connection between the Bills and Lions. We're the basement bros and have been yeah, for a you, long time. <laughs> they've been friends. Um, okay, so moving on from the playoffs, of course, the those series are still happening right now. Um, honestly, the only real shocking ones for me are not really shocking that Vancouver's up to nothing. The Islanders already being up 3-0 is kind of wild. Uh, but let's move on to uh, some Red Wings related news, which isn't a lot. Uh, Mike Green is going to retire. Good. Good for him. He's yeah. still a usable NHLer, but he's been battling a ton of illnesses and injuries, and he's got two small children. I've got Perfect his uh, elite prospects page up because I was interested. I was just I like to go through retiring guys' numbers, see what stands out. He's played one full season of 82 games. One. Wow. One. Um, and also, what was it, from 07 to 2010, his numbers were cartoonish? Yeah. In 2008-2009, uh, th- that was the year he went off and had 31 goals, 42 assists, but only 68 games played. 31 oh. goals. Yeah, 68 games as a defenseman. Yeah, are Those we all ever going to see that again? Honestly, <laughs> with the Islanders that was, bringing back the Devil's Trap era, I mean, <laughs> what was his record that year? Time. What was his record that year? Like consecutive power play goals or something? It was like it was ridiculous. Like nine or ten games. I might be yeah. misremembering what the actual record was, but no, he was. He was a freak. And even when he came to Detroit, like, yeah, we tend to remember. We have a little bit of recency bias, so we remember the worst parts of it. But he was no schlub. You saw a lot of flashes of what made Mike Green so effective for the Caps. But, yeah, just starting his family, young kids at home. His, he opted out of uh, the, the return to play uh, for that reason. He wants to preserve the health of uh, his kids, and you know, especially because they're uh, at risk in terms of their immunity. So good for him for for having a great career and Red Wings fans are lucky to have had him. And you think about what Red Wings fans have had. That's been good for the past five years, which is like next to nothing. Mike green filled a gap of some kind of excitement and some kind of production for the team. Was it the Mike green that the NHL will know and remember? No, of course not. The Red Wings would have been a much better team and we wouldn't be talking about him as a former Red Wings player, but no, uh, good on green and hope he enjoys his retirement. It's uh, more than well-deserved. And in terms of other Wings news, not really much. Um, 
yeah that's we we probably have to wait until the off season before things really start moving oh uh caught consales playing in finland this season there's some news do we still consider him a prospect uh he's not exactly at the top of the board you know yeah he's probably he, somewhere he's firmly somewhere in the 20s at this point yeah, he's not going back to uh, BU for what would have been his senior year. So, uh, Asat, I think, is the team he was going to. I'm not not Yokerit. Yeah, oh, he's going he to play with Kevin Mackey if he comes back. Yeah, and they they had an announcement regarding Kevin Mackey, or they said they were going to announce something, and it looks like he's been training. So, Kevin Mackey obviously had that brutal hit towards the end of his previous season, and he's a, a tiny guy. He's a guy that's like five seven, like one hundred and forty pounds, soaking wet. And he had took a terrible headshot and like it was ugly. Um, and they were talking about him maybe not playing again. So if he comes back, that'd be obviously great for him. And um, not uh, like he's not top of the board prospect, but yeah, another fun flyer to to kind of look at. Hey, two uh, two Red Wings prospects on one Finnish team. Maybe we should get seasons tickets if everything goes well in Finland. Yeah, how are we gonna fly there? We'll row. Yeah. Um, okay. The meat of this episode. This one will uh, be of interest to some people. The prospect profile. The top, I mean, depending on who you're asking, the top defenseman available on the board, in most people's opinion, Jamie Drysdale. Who? Do the Red Wings. Yeah, the just this guy. I thought it was Drysdale. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Jamie Drysdale, um, a lot of people have him as the red wings hopeful pick um a lot of people are not even interested in having him as the red wings pick um but nonetheless he is in the mix of the eerie otters in the o brad take us away on jamie drysdale all right so um the top defensive prospect to anybody with some common sense um everybody knows what dreaming jamie drysdale is if you've read any rankings in the last year because he's in the top 10 of all of them, top five in a lot of them. He is an elite skating offensive defenseman with an above average defensive game for a defenseman of his size. Because on elite, at least on elite prospects, he's listed at 5'11, 170. So uh, he is roughly my size, a little taller and a little lighter. So he ain't big. Um, but he's got a really, really high hockey IQ. Uh, great, uh, an amazing transition player. That's probably the strength of his game, truth be told, is getting that puck north from south, whether that's skating it up himself or making using his outlets and making the right pass at the right time. So the summary there is Jamie Drysdale is a jack-of-all-trades defenseman. You can put him in basically any situation, and at worst, he will be competent. Now, here's the thing. Is Jamie Drysdale an elite number one defenseman for your team? Is he a number two or is he a number three? Because there's debates for all of them. I tend to put him, I tend to see him in the NHL as a really good number two. I don't have super high confidence in his offensive game translating to be elite in the NHL. Now, again, this isn't meant to come off as negative because I think he will have a very good offensive game in the NHL. But if we're talking about a top five pick, especially as a defenseman, you want the word elite in there. And I don't know if that is there for him. Again, it's jack of all trades, master of none is not a fair statement because of how good his transition game is. Uh, and I think his defensive game will get there. He's just so smart. There's no way, even with his 
stature, I, I think he'll still be elite defensively. But when you look at his offensive totals in the OHL, he is like his point totals are way behind where an Evan Bouchard was at the same point going into his draft year and so on and so forth. Um, he was close to a point per game, which again, for a 17-year-old defenseman in the OHL is still incredible. Um, I don't have him in my top five, um, but I think that has a lot to do with just the strength of this draft more so than a knock on Drysdale. Well, he didn't have the uh, the luxury of playing for a London team that's routinely loaded with NHL talent. That is uh, fair. I, I think I, th- I don't I can't remember where Erie finished last year, but I'm sure it wasn't in the top half of the league. And um, he played in the Ivan Holinka tournament last year, right? Um, yes, that two years ago. He played in the World Juniors this year. Yeah, so that's a lot of hockey and a lot of minutes for a guy who is considered who's supposed to be the top D man on his his junior team that's getting shelled every night. So that could probably you know all add up to lesser offensive numbers. But all the highlights, I, I haven't had the the luxury of watching him in person, but all the highlights I've watched and just general footage uh his skating is incredible his forwards backwards lateral north south east west it is so good um and he has the the framework to succeed at the current nhl like this is how the defensemen are starting to look these days they're good skaters and good with the puck so it all depends if he can add some strength i think he'll be He's a I I hate to say guaranteed, but he I in my opinion he's guaranteed a, a top four defenseman on any team, um, and just really depends on his uh, his development. But I could definitely see him being top two uh, on on a team, perhaps even a franchise level player. But it's hard. defense are almost like goalies; they're a little bit voodoo and they take a long time. So it, it might be a while to see what uh, what you get with Jamie Drysdale yeah in fairness to jamie drysdale i'm gonna probably break him down like or the the profile of him down in two ways one him versus the the field and then two um him versus what i think the red wings should pick so these two guys kind of covered virtually everything there is to know about him and the first thing that stands out to me watching jamie drysdale is what evan just mentioned which is his skating is elite in every way it's not just his top end speed it's not just his you know uh, edge work it's not just his breakout speed it's not just his east west or lateral movement or you know, backward skating like this guy is stands out with his skating in every facet of this game he is a natural skater like you do not see a lot of defensemen who move like him and that is so advantageous and he translate that translates that into what brad mentioned which is an elite transition game this is the guy who can get the puck out of your zone this is a guy who can get the puck safely through the neutral zone whether carrying it himself or making the more likely making an excellent pass or a read of the play and this is a guy who can who can dish the puck out in the offensive zone be a true number one power play qb um and that last line is what kind of gives me a lot of hope for Jamie Drysdale where even if he doesn't turn into a true number one defenseman which I wouldn't write him off for you're at least looking at a guy who should be your power play QB and be a super effective guy I mean we just got done talking about Mike Green was he the most complete defenseman in the world no but on the power play the guy knew what he was doing he made a career of it almost 
Absolutely he did. He got paid well for it too. And he he put up some huge numbers for some teams. Even with Detroit, like those offensive flashes were there, especially earlier on. So I see a lot in Jamie Drysdale, and he's never who I I recommend as you know the preferred Red Wings pick in the Wing Wheel Podcast opinion. But that's not a knock on him. That's more of what I view the Red Wings needing, and that's more of a view of the field around him. It is rare for there to be so many high potentially high impact forwards available in and around where Jamie Drysdale should be taken if you're the Red Wings at number four. Um, most other years, he would be right up there. I, I talk about 1A and 1B with like Raymond and Rossi or Perfetti. Um, most other years, Drysdale would be the 1B in my mind. The Red Wings have a glut of – not a, a glut is, is rich considering how bad this team is. But right-handed defenseman is not a need for the team right now, especially after taking more at Slider last year. And yeah, you take best player available, but at some point, especially when you have a team with so many holes, you can't just keep plugging the same one. So if, if Lucas Raymond wasn't there, if Cole Perfetti wasn't there, if Marco Rossi wasn't there, if maybe even like a pipe dream, Tim Stutzler or Quentin Byfield could even be there, then yeah, we'd be talking about Jamie Drysdale at four. But for me, I just view the, the forwards as having so much more potential impact. That said, if Eisman goes off the board, which like it's not off the board for the top defenseman to go number four, I will not be upset. People talk about Sanderson a lot. And I, I think a lot of, I think very highly of Sanderson. If I was an NHL coach, he'd be my favorite kind of defenseman. The guy plays both ends of the ice extremely well, but he is so responsible defensively. He's so smart defensively. He always makes the right play defensively. And I think that's underappreciated because it doesn't show up on stat sheets when people talk about defensemen. But you want to know what sets Jamie Drysdale apart. This guy has a mind for the offensive zone and the and to move the play and create plays like no other defenseman in this draft. And I think that's what puts him a full tier above of uh, Sanderson. And like Brad said, it just takes a little bit of – just look at it. Just look at how naturally it comes to Drysdale, and that's why so many people have him ranked so much more highly. So I think the world of Drysdale, a lot of other drafts, I would want him for Detroit – but considering last year with them taking more at Cider and considering who's going to be available next year in next year's draft, those top end defensemen, I I don't think that's the right pick for Detroit at number four. Totally agree. And I, this is where I think Ottawa can make out like bandits with that number three and number five pick. They, at number three, they get the coveted forward that they want. And if they need to plug holes on, their, on the back end, they'll probably have Jamie Drysdale sitting right there. Mind you, I don't think they make any bad picks at three and five. No, no, there's none at all. Someone on uh, Reddit today asked, or like uh, I, I answered a post. They're like, who's your preferred pick at, at number four? And it comes up obviously like twice a day. And I said, 1A, Raymond, 1B, Rossi, 1C, Perfetti, 2, Drysdale. Like, you cannot go wrong. And if you're Ottawa, if you're Ottawa, how do you go from – Mark Stone, among many others, and Eric Carlson leaving your team, and then all of a sudden you get Quentin Byfield or Tim Stutzla and then Jamie Drysdale. They could yep. go off the board, guarantee themselves Drysdale if they really want that, and still walk away with at least Lucas Raymond or Marco Rossi. At number they owe us at least that. Please, Ottawa, please. Sure, we've talked a lot of shit about your team over the past couple of years. But we've talked a lot of shit about a lot of teams over the past couple of years. To be fair, we talk shit about everyone. So really, every it, it's all even at the end of the day. 
We talk the most shit about the Red Wings. So take that to heart, Eugene Melnick. Any bad things we said about you, we probably meant it. Stop terrorizing those poor fans. Red Wings leaves Boston. That's the order. And everybody else is after that. What do you guys think about... How would you react if Drysdale went to Detroit? Meh. I mean... That'll be I, bad for the live stream. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I guess we'll I guess we'll turn it off now. I mean, I... I from a skill set standpoint, I don't hate Drysdale at four. I could absolutely see the argument, but I mean, you couple that Drysdale literally played the position where the Red Wings are the strongest in their farm in their pipeline. Like there, there's nobody at forwards, and they have a ton of defensive prospects, especially at right side. So that. I mean, you never draft based on need, but still. And, eh, like, man, I really like Raymond Rossi, Perfetti, Holtz. It's it's hard when the Red Wings need forwards so desperately, and there's going to be four or five there that you could absolutely justify. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd hate it just because I do like Drysdale so much, honestly. And he'd be the best defenseman in the Red Wings pipeline. I mean... That's the reality of For it. Sure. The second we draft him. So you can like Mo Sider, you can like uh, McIsaac, Johansson, whatever. But Drysdale's better. So that that's obviously a massive plus. But I mean, is Drysdale that much ahead of Sider? Mm. Offensively, yeah. Defensively, he's probably behind Sider. And then if you compare that to any of the forwards that they could draft, would they be the best forward prospect on the team? Yes, by a country mile. So it's, again, never draft on need, but I will not be able to get that out of the back of my head. Yeah, the only way I would really... They have to be very confident that Drysdale can drive some offense early in his NHL career to make it worth it because you know if they take a forward uh, with with their first pick, They'll be driving a lot of offense, and a lot of it will go through them at sooner rather than later. So, it, I would still be happy. I, I don't think there's a way I could not be happy unless Stutzler or Byfield are sitting there and we pick somebody else. Oh. Then I might lose my damn mind. I'll be going yeah. out Ryan's window. <laughs> um I would be perfectly happy with that pick, but yeah, when you think about the the number of right-handed defensemen we have in the prospects pool, that it's not a, a position of need. And with all the the high-end forwards sitting there in the draft this year, it's, it, it's a hard sell for me. I have obviously we've talked a lot about what our favorite picks would be, and those would be in like my I'm happy different degrees of have happy like byfielder stutzel i'm thrilled raymond rossi perfetti i'm very happy that that's my happy tier my not overjoyed but also not upset i think drysdale would fit in there i think holtz would fit in there um my like disappointed but can't be too upset tier would include like a jake sanderson type or like maybe like a wild pick like Lindell and my um, absolutely brain melting. I don't know how to feel about this. This is just too much chaos tier would be Yaroslav Askarov. Brad, yeah. I think, I, I think Brad's head would actually steam. You'd see steam coming out of his ears on that one. A good chance, honestly. 
And then you just have me shrieking, but Carey Price at you for the next four years. <laughs> and if that's, Until Ascroft's the starting goalie. If that's what helps you get through it. Eh, well, there's uh, less than two months now to the draft, so I'm sure we'll find more ways to uh, hypothesize our anger. Okay, uh, that is our review of Jamie Drysdale. We are going to re- revisit him as a likely, because he is one of the uh, potential Red Wings picks, so we are going to be revisiting it in a larger conversation down the road. But that is our uh, prospect analysis. Um, thank you for tuning into that. Until next week, we will do, or until next episode when we have another one. Um, okay, overtime. On this episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast, we'd like to thank all of our uh, Wing Wheel Podcast patrons. You guys are the reason we are able to run this show, especially during the long Red Wings offseason. Thank you all so much. Um, Overtime is where we read out comments, questions, uh, and everything in between from fans, fans of the Wing Wheel Podcast. We will always do uh, our Patreon supporters, and then on weekend episodes like this one, we try to get to some Reddit and or Twitter questions for anyone who tweeted with hashtag AskWWP. So we're going to start with Caltroit Red Flames, who said Ryan lives, and then showed a picture of an otter with his hands in the air. Uh, That's about how soaked I was after today's storm, so that is very, very accurate. Uh, Ashley Van Conant says, Hey guys, I found the podcast in the fall of last year, so still a relatively new listener. Every once in a while, I'll pick a random episode from the back catalog to listen to while I'm itching for some extra hockey talk. Do you have any favorite old episodes that you think are especially worth listening to? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't think any of them are worth listening to, so... (laughs) Um, I love, I love any of our pre and post draft episodes from any year. Um, and I really like our season preview episodes. I think those are a lot of fun. The post, uh, the post draft episode where we got Zadina was probably one of my favorite episodes ever to do. And then obviously, um, the Eiserman one in a similar vein, just because we were so happy and it's been a while since we've had that. There's probably yeah. really good episodes mixed in there where it's like really, really good content and not just how we felt during it. The problem is I have really awful recall and we record this show a million times. So I'm hard pressed, but I see some of the listeners have also already replied to Ashley with some good episodes. So thank you all and keep going with that. Um, I really like our old takes exposed. That's really funny. I'm sure there's some awful takes, just some that we totally oh. stood behind and we totally thought were good. I so bet you they're horrendous. Yeah. So that's like that's most good of stuff. our takes. If we're going to, we're going to stick our necks out and put and talk into these mics way too much twice a week. That's what's going to happen. Uh, Michael Barry says, hope you guys enjoyed your Sunday. How does Ratty and Chaz Lucius compare to forwards in this draft? I get a lot of Nico. He's comparison with Ratti with Lucius, a lot of Cole Caulfield comparison. Is this accurate? Anyone else we should look for in the 2021 draft? Oh man. Uh, are we talking about forward specifically here? Because the 2021 draft is like, that's the defenseman home run swing between Brant Clark, Carson Lambos, uh, Owen power. It's, we might see three defensemen, uh, in the top four if maybe even the top three of the draft coming up like it's just it's stacked at that position um yeah i'm a big fan of the the clark or lambos pick there uh just for the defensive 
glut. You don't see that kind of thing very often, which is why I think that should be the year the Red Wings take their shot. Carson Lambos, what what side does he shoot? I believe he's a righty. I can't remember. I get get him and Clark mixed up because I know Clark's a righty. Why are there so many right-handed defensemen all of a sudden? Detroit used to not be able to buy right-handed defensemen. (laughs) Oh, it looks like he shoots left. So maybe Carson Lambos is the move there. Anyways, lots will change between now and then. So hopefully what the Red Wings walk away with is their top pairing left-handed shooting defenseman to play with either Moside or or, uh, Roenick. That's what I have as the ideal in my mind. And I know a lot of Red Wings fans have the same. Um, P.S. Now that we know we will be drafting the mid-second round, is there anyone you want? I would like to see uh, Daniil Gushin, a small left winger overlooked because of side because uh, of size or Eamon, uh Iman Powell defenseman with the USHL with his advanced pass moving ability thoughts on those two guys who is it Gushin and who else uh Iman Powell uh I have Gushin ranked 48 in my rankings right now so I would be more than happy more than okay with that pick there um I don't have Powell ranked in my second round at all so I'm gonna pass on that um, and who would I want? Anybody I have ranked 31 or higher that first. <laughs> uh, Joe Delia says, hey, guys, heard on 31 thoughts that Edmonton might let Athanasiu walk because of no cap space. Which team would you like him to go to and which team would be a good spot for him? Uh, also mentioned Mike Green. Thanks, guys. Uh, Detroit and Detroit. Because I was going to say, Detroit would be the great. The galaxy back. brain moment if Steve Eiserman gets two round, two second round picks for Andreas Athanasiu and, and ends up with Andreas Athanasiu would be an all-time move. Um, Welcome to Ken Holland, Edmonton Oilers fan. Oh, it's a wild ride. Um, honestly, though, I just hope he ends up on any team that can play him because I don't know what the hell Dave Tippett was doing over there in Edmonton. Uh, playing like Zach Cassian ahead of him, even though Zach Cassian did nothing in the qualifiers. Oh, I would have guessed that Zach Cassian wouldn't be a good top six forward, and except for that oh, one play- term, that one playoffs, he was kind of good, and he's been coasting on that reputation for three years now. I mean, and Athanasiu is one year removed from scoring thirty goals, so on a terrible team mind you. So I don't know. I I there's a lot of good options for Athens CU. I mean, if you want a low key crappy team that I think he could actually make a difference on and do really well with, Buffalo. Uh, he would oh, get, that's actually not a bad option. He would get a ton of ice time. He would probably be playing a very with a very favorable set of line mates whether that's Eichel, Reinhardt, you know, whoever it might be. Um, all primary playmakers, so he'd get the puck a lot. And from a personal standpoint, I mean, the dude's from the GTA, so it'd be close to home. So that could be a, a, a actual UFA destination he would enjoy. Um, Garrett TV says, hey, hockey amigos, we now know that the entire uh, Detroit organization was pretty upset about the draft lottery, as reported by multiple sources. However, one thing we haven't really talked about is how Seattle next year have the equivalent of third best equivalent of third best odds in the draft, regardless of where we finish. So I feel like not enough is being made about just how far back this BS 2020 lottery could have set us. I'm not one to cry foul of the NHL because there's no conspiracy uh, assist to assist us. But this is really, really super unlucky uh, for the Red Wings. Even the best of rebuild strategies require some luck. <clears throat> Rangers. Anyways, that's all. Existence is pain. Glad you're alive, Ryan. Hope your stick is on the ice. Let's go, Red Wings. Yeah, because there's a reality 
next year where if the Red Wings finish as the fourth worst team in the league, they could fall back four spots from their standings. Yeah, it makes me really happy and it surprises me not at all that behind the scenes, the Red Wings were pissed about the draft lottery because it was, uh, let me just check my notes here, I wrote something down, bullshit. Moving on, Mike Lennox says, my question is, where do you see Sanderson being taken in a weak defenseman draft and how many D-men do you see being taken in the first round? Um, There'll be a lot of defensemen taken in the first round. Uh, I think you'll probably see a a run on them in like, I'll say pick 17 to 30. Um, I do think that there's a very real chance Drysdale and Sanderson are the only defensemen to go in the top 15, but I've been hearing teams are falling in love with Caden Gooley and Braden Schneider, so expect one of them to jump up. Uh, I think Sanderson will probably go somewhere between 7 and 13. If I had to give a range, just because, I mean, it is, Drysdale will be gone by then, and there will be a team that will just need a defenseman and fall in love with them, and it'll happen. I know when we did our mock draft, I think Winnipeg's picking in that range, and, and it makes way too much sense for them to not pick him. So, we'll see. If If Sanderson jumps anywhere past like eight, it means there's an egregiously good defenseman going way, way too far down the list. Like you're talking Rossi or Holtz or something being available at 10, some dumb shit like that. Um, RC Tendy, and I also think there's going to be upward, like you're going to see at least four or five defensemen being taken. I, I think there's a cycle of like defensemen being analyzed and then sub- subsequently ju- bumped up the draft. We saw it with Sanderson. We're seeing it now with Gooley and Schneider. We're probably going to see one of the defensemen be coveted. And once they go, once defensemen start to goal, it's like it's like goalies in a fantasy hockey draft. They're all going to go very fast. Um, RC Tendy says, Brad, you missed my question last week. What was the dumbest way you've injured yourself? I messed up my back from sneezing while bent over tying my shoes. Oh my God, the list I have for this would be long. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to an answer that is really on brand for me. And I once broke my nose by actually back checking in a hockey game, which is why I'm never gonna do that again. <laughs> oh man. Ethan Boulderson had a great question. It's better basically saying he said it, this might serve as a better expanded topic for a Patreon episode, and we might actually do that, but very quickly. Of the teams currently in the playoffs, what team winning the cup most impacts the Wings' rebuild? Not in terms of picks, but more in style of play, coaching, scouting moves, and overall systems. Like if the Islanders, Blues, or Dallas won, we might see bigger and more physical players drafted, etc., etc. I kind of feel like that's the way Detroit's already going when you look at their, their recent drafts. I think what would impact the Wings the most is if that like high skill all offense team wins. So I don't know if Tampa will be fair because they're they're kind of ridiculously good all over the place. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, Vancouver maybe uh, would fit that bill. Uh, Vegas kind of fits that bill because Vegas they're not a big team and they play a very up tempo pace. So that could make them think in another way Carolina plays a very fast style game but they have a ridiculously good defense so I could see the Red Wings just writing it off as that I don't know 
I don't know. I think the NA again, you guys all know my thoughts. I think the NHL's very slowly creeping back into the dead puck era 2.0. So I think most teams are going to start building that way soon. I mean, just look at what the Islanders are doing to the Capitals right now and what I, and what Columbus did to Toronto and is almost doing to Tampa Bay, because I know you could say, oh, well, Columbus is losing the series to Tampa 2-1. I mean, on paper, those teams should be in different leagues. So the fact that Columbus is hanging with Tampa as they are is just another testament to how how well that system works, which sucks because it's boring compared to the other styles <laughs> of hockey. Um, Evan Pardo says, hey, fellas, how would you rank the following defensemen in terms of overall potential? Drysdale, Sanderson, Lambos, Clark, and Power. Thanks and keep up the great work. Man, in terms of, okay, it's so, so early, but I think I have the three 2021 guys ahead of the two 2020 guys. Like Brant Clark. That's what I'm thinking. Brant Clark's second half with Barry this year was unreal. Owen Power, man, he. He's six foot six, can skate, and with good offense. If everything rounds into his form for him, he could be a souped up Colton Pareko. Um, Lambo. That's his sweet new nickname. Souped up Colton Pareko. Yeah, I love it. And then Lambos is just kind of that that Drysdale mold, but he's still super young. So his upside could be higher than Drysdale's. It could be lower. We'll find out in a year. Um, but yeah, it's. Mm. It's going to be interesting. Ian says, what has to happen for Lafreniere to lose just enough draft stock to fall to fourth? COVID, cocaine, everything normal except he suddenly can't say the word puck and can only say beanbag instead? Give me something to root for. Uh, Amputation below the left knee. Even then, I think he goes third. (laughs) Yeah, I could see Pierre Dorian and Eugene Melding missing the memo. (laughs) (laughs) Them just going, oh, well. Uh, Obir Juan Kenobi says, where do you think Howard signs next year and how much is Edmonton going to pay him? <laughs> oh, I hadn't even considered that. Oh my God. I could, I could see it as, as horrifying as it is. I mean, my money's still on Detroit until I start hearing rumors otherwise, because we have Bernier and I don't see Eisenman at this point in the rebuild wanting to pay a goalie. So <laughs> I could, I could see it. Yeah, it'll be for a minimum because everyone's going to be cash strapped. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alex Ott says, are there any players you think uh, that you guys think the Red Wings should try to target as a reclamation project like Fabry 2.0 for next year? Someone who isn't a cap dump for another team, but rather a player who needs a change of scenery to potentially refine their game. And if so, what would be a logical trade piece that you guys would be comfortable giving up? Can I pick a UFA? Yeah, go for it. Alex Galchenyuk that's a good one mine isn't even the right answer for this because this guy's known as a good player but with nashville blowing everything up i just wonder if there's any way possible to get victor arbitson off their hands i think his contract's pretty good yeah it's a great contract yeah that one's a bit of a pipe dream i he doesn't I'm, need a change of scenery <laughs> like i was i was looking at it i was looking at it kyle turris because we'd get an asset with him and yeah, he's he's pretty consistently still a half a point per game, which for what his contract is, is objectively terrible, but he would be clearly the second best centerman on the Red Wings next year. 
and he would he'd be a massive upgrade over Val Philpula in that spot. Um, I don't know if Nashville would give up pick 13 or whatever it was, whatever it was in this draft to unload him to us. But I think you could get a pretty sizable asset out of Nashville to get Kyle Turris because Elliot Friedman was talking about buying out. They might buy him out, which would be $2 million per year over the next eight years. If you go to Nashville and say, hey, we'll take him, you retain $2 million. Now they're only they only have Cal Turris on the books for four years at two million. Detroit gets him for four million. I it's a longer contract than you would like, but he's an upgrade at the position. He's been at worst. He's putting up the numbers a four million dollar player should put up right now. So if they can do that, it's not a bad value contract at least in the short term. And depending what that other asset is, maybe it's pick 13, maybe, or pick 11, 12, 13. I don't know what Nashville's exact pick is. Maybe it's next year's first rounder. Maybe it's Ely Tolvin. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing. I could see a reality where that could be very beneficial for both teams. Yeah. And, and Turris is a name I've seen people thrown around and uh, throw around. And I've seen a lot of people react with like disgust, kind of like, one of the really awful contracts that lasts forever from Vancouver. And all I can think is like, no, like I, I like you said, Brad, have you tourists almost like you view Louis Erickson, like the, the, the keg's not empty there. there. There's stuff left in the tank and sure. Maybe not playing up to that contract, but if you're a team with the, the benefit of a ton of cap space and you can get a ludicrous piece, like again, my stupid, stupid metaphor of rebuilding as a um, uh, speed limit that's how you accelerate beyond it. That That is how you pry away premier pieces by helping teams uh, who need to get rid of that asset. And especially now, when I mentioned this before, not every team can even spend to $81.5 million. Some of them are going to have to have internal caps that are even lower. So I, that's a really good answer. I, and I'm just saying, you look at his last three years with Nashville, 42 points in 65 games, 23 and 55, 31 and 62 this past season. Compare that to Val Philpla. That is an upgrade. And Turris is, what is he, 31? So he's a lot younger than Philpla. Um, yeah. He's not young, but he's younger. And at the last World Championships, 10 points in 10 games, playing on a line with Anthony Mantha. Uh, C Nods says, simple question. What team has impressed you the most, including the play-in? Mine is definitely the Islanders. Holy hell, I wouldn't think that they'd be up three games. My answer is, well, Barry Trot continues to impress me. Uh, Islanders, Vegas, Vancouver. Hard to not say Columbus after they beat Toronto and are looking, you know, serviceable against Tampa. Yeah, it's a good one. I've really liked Philly. I thought Philly's probably been the best team. And then they start playing Montreal <laughs> and lose five nothing. But I, I thought up until then that they were they came out of the gate looking like the most complete team. Yeah, still winning in the third period, one nothing. This has been a fun playoff so far. Uh, Joseph Forney says, "Hey there, hey there, fellas, and welcome back. The playoff games are starting to look uh, like what we're used to seeing. Quick thoughts: Mike Milbury and Jack Edwards can go sawed off. I don't blame Tuka Rask for leaving at all." The Knights in the Isles, Isles look real good. Uh, Stars, Flames, best series so far. Kemper would have won Vesna if healthy. Refs suck. Sorry for Sveshnikov. Canadians uh, grew some centermen overnight. Hayes, Felino, Horvat, Price, Lee all in beast mode. And I would gladly pay Jordan Martinook to announce my entrance at public events for the rest of my life. 
So you're seeing a Quinn Hughes excel for the Canucks, playing placing fifth in defense, scoring and dominating in the playoffs. Don't feel bad. Keep your Phillips Zadina in a stay fresh cheese bag so that he's ready to hit his stride in a full season with an upcoming fourth overall pick. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Well said, Joseph. Mr. Svechnikov. <laughs> Mr. Svechnikov. Ovechkin Stand Club says, well, I'm over these playoffs. May the best team win. Such a disappointment of the playoffs. I give them props for being able to do this. But Ferk, I'm over it. If they can go and win four in a row, I'd be amazed. And since Rowan is officially a sub- celebrity uh, in this fan base, you guys need to do a, uh, a golf-only guy and Rowan podcast. Caps needed a new head coach, and I'm not a fan of our guy. Uh, maybe you shouldn't have given up <laughs> your old guy. <laughs> uh evan that is a great patreon episode you and uh rowan only no thank you y'all that means it's absolutely happening it's either you and you and rowan or brad and uh rowan so one of you i vote for that one uh time for some reddit questions um cross crease pass says so mike green retired i think he was great at skiing the puck out of the zone and make plays off the rush but his defensive game and power play qb abilities left a lot to be desired with detroit seems like a lot of fans are giving him the benefit of the doubt because of injuries and the team's lack of overall overall skill but the end of the day he never really performed up to his billing imo in my opinion he was never going to he was just kind of an overpaid stopgap we had the vestiges of those skills and they were never anyone who could who expected that i don't know anyone who kind of billed him as a being able to do that in detroit i never really felt felt like that was a fair expectation he had like 141 points he was almost a half point per game defenseman on mainly bad red wings teams i don't know really what the expectations were I mean, people still remember what Mike Green was in 2010, and they thought that was who he was five years later still. So, and he only did that one year. I mean, uh, yeah, he oh, played with way better players in Washington. And when you have Ovechkin, he, he, when you have Ovechkin on the power play, and you had a bomb, Mike Green had a bomb for like four, three or four years. And that was it. Cyborg Holiday says, I don't really understand why you guys are so high on Rossi. You seem to be in the minority. What? We are. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Like inside lo- the top five by most A lot of people. people don't consider him at number four. Really? I've seen yeah, a lot I, of rankings with him in the top, comfortably in the top five. I Elite Prospects has him at number four. Future Considerations has him as number five. ISS has him as seven. Eight, Craig Button. <laughs> Uh, nine. Uh, yes, but where does he have lick s- my sack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. Oh man. Yeah. No. I. I think I have Rossi. Fi- yeah. I have Rossi fifth. Bob McKenzie has him at seven, and so that's what I consider gospel. I have him at five, so it's like I'm not. I'm two two spots off of Bob McKenzie, which is the for all intents and purposes, consensus ranking. 
Uh, it's been a while since we've had one of these. It's a one hell of a comment from OSBP. Where's OSBP? Oh, maybe he's on Patreon as one of us. Shut the fuck up. I'd go to Patreon as soon as this moron Brad stops retaking his uh, stick every shift. Oh, my hands are the most important part of my game. Oh, I play semi-pro hockey. You play semi-pro hockey like Donald manages a pandemic. You say you do, but let's be real. Everyone seemed to get sick of me calling uh, all of uh, these guys losers, so I dipped the hell out um, of this sensitive-ass show. Uh, I I am very sensitive. When I heard that someone was doing a well-being check, well, here I am in the virtual flesh, taking a huge Sunday morning dump. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had one of these. Uh, who do the Red Wings draft at for, you ask? How about half-naked Brenda Moore playing Frisbee since he won't get tossed around like some punk-ass kid? Evan, I've been golfing a lot, starting to shoot mid-80s consistently consistently let's go play 18 man i got a hookup at a butterfield at butterfield country club here in chicago check it out brad and ryan you are definitely not invited yeah don't invite me unless you want some new pawns on your golf course um it's also funny hearing brad speak after Frege almost verbatim on certain topics wake up sheeple <laughs> brad sucks i'm alive wish i wasn't wish you guys weren't that's the osbp we know and love it's the golf course long. looks unreal by the way I also have to go eat at his restaurant. It's been on Melanie's list to go to Chicago, like as our next uh, American city that we go to. And we actually were thinking this summer we'd do Chicago and then DC in the fall. And then <clears throat> the world started ending. But hey, if the invite's still open, I'm still down to go. Also, Brad, I'm sorry, you took the heat most uh, mostly on that one. That was I a passionate five minutes ago, I'm being honest. I pulled an Evan here. <laughs> I was looking at uh, those are rookie numbers, Brad. Those are rookie numbers. Get those up. Five minutes. Get those numbers up. Yeah, I'm browsing browsing stuff on eBay. Leave me alone. Um, we there are there were some other questions here. Uh, There were comments here about um trading cap space i want to get to that one. Oh, russell 18 says on 31 thoughts the pod they discuss the idea of trading cap space um as an asset provided team hits the cap floor what do you think of this and what do you think would be a fair value for cap space in a trade oh man we'll give toronto four million dollars for a first <sighs> four million dollars for a first seems insane but with the flat cap I could see it. And the problem is Toronto doesn't have their first. B, a lot of the teams that are are really screwed up against the cap just got booted out of the qualifiers. So are they going to give up a top 15 pick? My guess is no. I, who are the teams that are still in it that might make a run that are really screwed against the cap? Uh, Vancouver, Tampa. Arizona. And, and they both have... Uh, Arizona's got, I think they have workable room though, based on the way they're structured. They're not going to be as screwed, um, yeah. but they don't really have a GM who knows that he's a GM right now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there'll be some options, but the later you get in the first round, yeah, I don't know. Dallas will probably need help. I think I'm not sure. Yeah. They don't have a lot coming off the books. Philly's Fine. not going to be. In, in like they're one of the top spending teams they don't have a ton, ton coming off the books so they're losing justin braun who's making 
3.8 jeez i was thinking that maybe james van reams would be a good target for a cap dump he's making seven mil until the end of 22 23 yeah and he's 31 he might be a decent target to at least get some sal- some years out of him wouldn't hate jvr on my hockey team you know all right with that that's a lot of good content so we are going to wrap this episode we will see you guys again midweek we'd like to thank everyone for listening all of you who have been leaving us five star reviews on itunes holy shit we love you all of our uh, listeners our patreon supporters our name level sponsors of this show the septic tank of that bitch carol baskins arjun shanker greech jeremiah dobo jake kiefer ovechkin stand club sorry about your team brad smith andrew bohan scott martin jacob turner matt mckay brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson kaylin wood hassam al Qasem, charlie elkins hana lee obir Wan kenobi who's a brand new name level sponsor. So welcome. I like that name. Yeah. Great name too. Trevor Pevavar, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Konick, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all. I'm going to go sleep forever. See you midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.